good to worship the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Well, let me ask you a series of questions here. I don't know if you know this or how to do this. Maybe you can help me. Does anybody here know how to escape out of the back of a trunk of a car or maybe survive a shark attack? Maybe you know how to uh, escape a forest fire or jump off of a bridge and land safely. Maybe you have an answer for those. If you do, then you'll be pretty good at this game. It's called Worst Case Scenarios. Um, it's a survival game. challenges players to use their survival instincts and their skills to outdo their opponents. And um, basically, it's like this. Every question, there's three possible answers. You get the question correct, you get to move forward. If you get it wrong, your opponent moves forward. That's the way it works. Whether they answered or not, you lost, they move. So it's sort of a unique game. Uh, the situations present themselves, range all over the place. For instance, do you know how to uh, swim across a piranha-infested river? Don't have a lot of those in Fulton County. But if you did, do you know how to do that? Or do you know how to scratch that itch down in your cast? Right? The questions are all over the place. But here's what this game really is. It's a box full of worries. That's all it is. It's a box full of worries. How would I, how would I handle this situation? What, what if this happens to me? What would I do? What, what, right? Because life is a bunch of what ifs, and then here's your box of worries. Figure it out, right? I'll admit that my life, though some may think it's pretty simple, I have my worries. And so here's the thing. I don't need this game. Okay? I really don't. I've got enough situations in my life trying to figure out. Some of you want to know why I watch those Hallmark Christmas movies, right? Here's why. Because every ending is good, okay? Yes, different people, different, uh, you know, house or whatever. It's the same story, but it always has a happy ending. So I'm telling you, I, I'm okay with happy endings. I like happy endings. And here's the deal, church. We are citizens of heaven. We established this last week. We're citizens of heaven. We are God's people living in an earthly kingdom. That's just the way it is. We're visiting here. We, uh, we have trouble on this planet. We have situations on this planet. It's, this is what it is. And they all create anxiety and worry and fear and so forth, right? And although we spent two months, I don't know if you remember this, two months, might have been three, listening to a man who was in prison, wrote this letter, and he said, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, remember that? Here's a guy who's in prison who's telling us, don't worry, don't worry, right? And even though we spent a couple months on that, and we've heard it preached, here we are today, and our emotions are still high-strung and challenged on high alert, right? Because Why? Everything is a breaking story. News, breaking story, breaking story. And what happens? It sort of triggers these emotions in us like, oh, it's a breaking story. It's a break. Did you hear? Did you hear about? Well, our mind quickly says, you better worry about this. Right? Last week I reminded you, you are God's people. You're citizens of heaven. God's spirit is already here with us. God's spirit is in us as believers in Christ. So how we live as citizens of God's kingdom matters. It really does. We're faced with the same scenarios that everyone else faces. You know that? 
There's, yeah, some people's different than others, but when you reach in that box to pull out a worst case scenario, pandemic. Oh, we all got that card, right? Isolation. We all got that card. Now then people start pulling out of the box different scenarios. Death, sickness, unemployment, shattered marriage, whatever it is, all of a sudden we got a box full of worries and our mind says we need to respond, right? We will, as believers of Jesus Christ, we will, as citizens of heaven, act differently, live differently, think differently. We've put on our spiritual goggles that I mentioned last week, and we've got to look at the situations around us. And as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, actually chapters 5, 6, and 7, we learn about kingdom living. But I want to go back to that and narrow in on just one area. One area. And that is the focus of worry. Corey Ten Boom, you might remember her, and I'll share with you a little bit more about her later. But she said this, Worry is an old man with, a blend, with bended head carrying a load of feathers which he thinks are lead. She, she knew what worrying was about and that it's ultimately foolish because there's concerns in life that just were or were not going to happen and why should I bring those upon me? Corey Ten Boom, if you may know a little about her, was trying to hide people from the Nazis. She herself was put into a concentration camp. She spent time in this Jewish concentration camp, and she was released one week before the women her age were executed. She also said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Very true, right? Well, we can look at different men and women of history and what they had to say about worry. But you know me, we're always going to come right back to what God's word says. And the Bible tells us about worry. Matter of fact, the Greek word for worry means divided mind. The worrier has a mind that is torn between the real and the possible. What is immediate, what is potential. And when you live in a world of what ifs and you realize your future isn't even here yet and it isn't even yours, it's challenging. The future is unknown. The future is uncontrollable. And we can do all we want to prepare for the future, which is a good thing. But bottom line is, it's still unknown. And that's what makes us control freaks irritable and upset, right? Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25. We're going to look at nine verses. And in these nine verses, we're going to talk about how to be victorious in God's kingdom. In these nine verses, you're going to hear Jesus tell us three times, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. And it's funny because it's like, if Jesus tells us something one time, isn't that good enough? I mean, seriously, if Jesus was right up here right now and he says, hey, I want you to do this. I'm not waiting for him to say it the second time. Right? Jesus tells us three times. When Jesus says, don't worry, he isn't saying this, hey, don't make any plans. He's, he's told us before in scripture, count the cost of being a follower of Christ. He used the example of a builder who plans and counts the cost prior to building. You've got it prepared. That's a part of life. You make preparation. Don't worry doesn't mean you shouldn't be concerned. There's a big difference there too. A good parent is concerned about your child wandering off out onto the road, right? A good parent is concerned about your child playing by a campfire. 
or hanging out with the wrong people. There's a difference between being carefree and careless. And if you're still not clear on the difference, let's look at it like this. Our concerns deal with the present. Worry deals with the future. Maybe that will help you. Jesus deals with worry, Matthew 6. Let's pick this up, verse 25. Jesus said this. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Verse 26. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries at a single moment of your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So do not worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. He'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, one of the things that we need to know about worry is that it's inconsistent with our faith in a mighty God. I want you to think about this. Actually, you answer this question for me. Do you believe that God created all things, yes or no? You can all reply to that. I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of. We're in church. You're in a safe place. Let me ask that question again. Do you believe that God created all things? Do you think God is all-powerful? Now, let me give you some questions you don't have to answer out loud. I also believe that God created us a little bit lower than angels and that he created the, the body in the most incredible complexity that we can imagine. And I think about how God places the stars in the sky and the universe and he knows them by name. He established seasons and systems and galaxies. And if God is so powerful, so mighty, do you think God cares about your little concerns? I believe so. If he can take care of all the mighty things, then he looks at you. Does he want to take care of that as well? I believe so. Because here's the truth. If you believe in a creator God, you must also believe in a sustainer God. Some of us think, well, he created all this. That was it, right? He also sustains things too, including our lives. So we believe that God can create and that God can provide. But we still maybe have that question in the back of our mind that says, But will he provide for me and my things that I got going on? You know, he is, after all, sort of big, right? So why would he want to mess with me, little old me? Look at verse 26. Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. They don't sit on a tractor and drive it around, right? What do they do? They sit on a tractor and they make a mess on the tractor, right? They aren't driving them. It says, your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I love how he moves to creation to point out the power of an almighty God. He actually does this in a couple places. The other one is in Matthew 10, 29, where he says this. What's the price of two sparrows? 
One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Luke 12, 6 in the scripture, Jesus also says, hey, you can buy five sparrows for two coins. So one copper coin, which is worth like one sixteenth of a denarii, and a denarii is part of a day's wages. Jesus is saying, one copper coin gets you two sparrows, two copper coins get you five. I'm going to throw in a freebie for you. Isn't that sweet? Does that tell you how cheap birds are? How invaluable they seem to be when you look at that? And then... What does Jesus say? You're way more valuable than a bird. You know that? Some of us sometimes feel like that, right? Not even a free sparrow has no market value, can fall to the ground, and God not know. Yeah, I walked out the other day to my mailbox, and I went to put the letter in the mailbox, turn around, come back, and I'm like, there's my car in the driveway. There was a dead bird sitting behind my car, behind the tire. And I thought, that poor bird, he's probably like, you know... I can't take it anymore. I'm just going to lay behind this tire. And when he backs out, I'm done. I don't know. Or maybe he's like, I can't make it any further. Boom. Or maybe a neighborhood kid was like, <laughs> got Mr. Stump. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the bird got there. It's a mystery. But you know what? God knows. My security camera didn't pick it up. God knows. And if God knows when a bird falls and you're more valuable than the bird, he knows when you fall too. Isn't that amazing? When you look at scripture, we're reminded of this. Here's what Dr. David Jeremiah said. He goes, he follows every movement, whether it's a bird, a beggar, or a baron. He follows it. The worry that a lot of us have over material things is basically rooted in a low understanding of how valuable we are before God. Maybe we don't comprehend how much God loves us and cares for us. And if God cares for a bird, if God knows how many hairs are on your head, He also cares for you. Beyond all that, isn't it? Isn't it remarkable, striking? Anybody? I don't know. Maybe not. Look at verse twenty-seven. Verse twenty-seven goes on to say, "Can all your worries add a single moment in your life?" Now, in the King James Version, it says, at a cubit. And then we think, in cubit, wait a minute. A cubit is, is your uh, forearm length, usually about 18 inches. Oh, I remember a cubit. That's what Noah was building his ark with. You know, he measured out the cubits, right? It's a thing of measurement. Wait, so can all my worries add a cubit to my life? If that was the case, when I was your age, I would have been sitting on the couch worrying so that I would have grown, so I could be as tall as your daddy and just rule in basketball, Right? Yeah. Well, Brent, you do. But anyway, I would. I was like, I would have been, I would have been 6'10". I would have been 7 foot. I want to play in the NBA, right? I'm just going to worry. But can worrying add length? No, and that's not really what they were getting at here. If you look back in the ancient Greek to understand that the meaning meant adding life as well as adding size. And this reference here is to adding life. That's why other translations say, can it add a single moment or a single hour to your life? And actually, we know this about worrying. Worrying doesn't add to our life. It isn't like, I'm going to sit around and worry and I'm going to grow old. Actually, worrying shortens your life. Clinical studies are showing us that the more you worry, actually, the more health problems you have. So it's not adding, is it? It's ineffective in our time. 
What else is Jesus telling us here about worry? Look at verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have a little faith? Have you ever walked through a beautiful garden with flowers everywhere? Maybe a botanical garden? Maybe just right outside along our church. When the, I mean, the Mormons have done a fantastic job with planting and keeping those flower beds looking pretty incredible, even to this date. But have you ever walked through a garden all downcast like, stinks walking amongst all these pretty flowers? Not typically. Usually when somebody walks amongst an incredible garden or through maybe of green meadows with wildflowers amongst God's creation, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. There's just, I don't know what it is, but it feels good, right? God knows how to dress this earth and make it beautiful with flowers. And he says here, if you look back, he says, if God, who cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. For you? For me? Yeah. What did we just do? We just took communion, right? Why did we take communion? Because we remembered how much God loves us. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come here and die for us. The last time somebody walked up to me and said, I would like to die for you. Nobody's done that except Jesus Christ. He loves me. He loves you so much. He does that. He cares for you so much. When we sit there and say, does he really care for me? We just demonstrated in communion. If you don't think he cares for you, then don't take communion because you're a liar. When we take communion, we are admitting publicly to everybody, God cares about me. God loves me. He sacrificed for me. And I will tell everybody that. Look at verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Look at this next part. These things dominate. Let me hear you say dominate. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Do you hear that? Worry dominates the mind of the unbeliever. So let me ask you this. Are you a believer or unbeliever? Thank you. I've got a couple yeses. If we're worrying, guess what we're doing? We're being like everybody else. As a believer in Jesus Christ, if I'm worrying, guess who I look like? Unbelievers. That's what Jesus is saying right here. Listen, I'm a citizen of heaven, and I pray you are too. And as a citizen of heaven in the kingdom of God, we are not like everybody else. We aren't. Think about this. God spent thousands of years demonstrating through his covenant with Abraham and his descendants. Wilderness living, wandering. Calamity, conquest, all of this, God was establishing with his people a covenant. Meanwhile, there were the people called Gentiles, people who did not have a relationship with the Lord. God demonstrated year after year. And we have history, we have beyond this book, the Bible, but we have examples and truth of how God is faithful. We have that. Our God is faithful. You've seen it in your life. We've seen it in this church. As a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? Our God is faithful. 
Now, a Gentile, somebody who doesn't believe in God, you know what? They don't have that record. They don't believe that. So, in their minds, they're worrying about stuff. What's, how am I going to handle this? What's going to go on here? As a believer, we're like, you know what? Our God is faithful. He will take care of this. And even if I don't see him step in, I know it's going to be okay. Because I have faith, because my God is faithful. So here's the thing. Some of you are sitting there going, okay, so to worry is to deny that, deny that God is capable of his being and his nature. And so it reduces us to being like those who don't believe God. So does that mean I'm a sinner because I worry? Well, let me just say this. I have three boys and a wife, a large family, two ministries, and one in which I have to raise all my funds for. If I don't, that ministry shuts down. My week consisted of phone calls about viruses, fevers, hospitals, funerals, tests, and confrontational meetings. I'm an expert on worrying, okay? I I have my moments of worry too. But here's the thing about worry. As soon as I worry... I am reminded, and sometimes i got to remind myself. Sometimes other people remind me. Even my wife reminded me the other night. I'm like, what are we going to do about next week? And she goes, that's next week. Thank you. That's right. I have to be reminded that God is my God. And worry is never a home to live in or a place to visit. Dr. David Jeremiah also said this. It's this worry is a small town I pass through. Not a place to hang my hat. It's a moment in my life, but it is not my lifestyle. And I will amen that. There's moments I worry, as many of you do as well. But I don't live there. I have to quickly remind myself and be reminded that God is God. He will take care of this. And i got to trust Him. And i got to surrender those worries to Him. Is it easy? No. That's why it's so repetitive. It's a journey. It's continual. And I must do it, and you must as well. And I believe Jesus is waking us up to who we are. He's sitting there going, listen, you're a believer. You're not an unbeliever. Quit acting like an unbeliever. You're a citizen of heaven. So stop worrying. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. By the way, those were commands, not suggestions. We're his child. And he gently chooses as he sort of closes that verse with a reminder saying, and your heavenly father who knows you and your needs, he's going to take care of them. We we need to hear that, right? All right, so enough about worry, right? We got to combat it with something, right? We got to turn this more into a positive. I've told you about worry, worry, worry. And it's like, I'm worried that he's never going to stop talking about being worried, right? (laughs) All right, let's get positive on this. Because Jesus actually is the one that turns to them and goes, all right, so this is what we're going to do. Because here's the thing. If we've got a bad habit right now of worrying, you know how you get rid of a bad habit? You replace it with a good habit. And this is what he says. When we're divided between things, we need to focus on the right direction. A divided mind, get your right mind, right focus. And here's what he says. Look at verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God. Above all else, live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. All right, I'm worried. Stop. Seek the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Seek. I think we all know, right? Anybody ever lose something and you're searching for it? You're seeking it out? As a parent, do you ever have one of your kids come into your room and say, Hey, I can't find my shoes. I can't find my shirt. I can't find my phone. I can't find, oh, how about this? I can't find the cord to my phone, my charger. 
get that one, right? And you're like, um, did you look in your room? Look there. Did you look in the car? Yeah, I looked there. Did you look in the room? I looked there. So you looked everywhere. I've looked everywhere. I've been seeking it out. I've been searching everywhere. You're like, oh, okay. And you walk into your room, into their room, and you grab the cord. You go, oh, is this what you can't find? Yeah, where'd you find it? In your room. You weren't seeking, right? We get that all the time. I was looking everywhere. Define looking everywhere. Can't find it. Okay, how about you move from where you're at and actually seek, right? But we do that spiritually. We get overwhelmed with everything that's around us. Like, I can't find peace with God. I can't find hope with God. I can't find any relief from all this worry that's going on. It's like, are you seeking? Yep. No, you're not. And I shouldn't say that because maybe you are seeking. But I think a lot of us don't understand what it really means to seek. Seeking, when you look at this Greek word, it actually means it's a constant attitude to actively and constantly seek for a thing. My attitude is continually going, I'm seeking the Lord, I'm seeking the Lord, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord, I'm searching, I'm moving towards this. And what happens is a lot of time, and I do this too, is I stop seeking and I get comfortable with where I'm at. And it's like, can I just rest and complain for a while? I really want to moan about this one. I really want to wallow in my self-pity. Please, I'm tired of always seeking God. And I believe sometimes God's like, well, that's fine. You can stop seeking. But when you stop seeking, you stop finding. And if you want to find peace, if you want to find truth, you want to find hope, you've got to keep seeking. Faith is a journey, people. It's a journey. And we're on it. Look at verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. (laughs) It's like Jesus says, hey, you know the worry that you're holding on to right now? That's enough for today. You'll be, you'll be okay. I know what you got right now, the problem. That's enough for today. But please don't put on tomorrow. Because as soon as you put on tomorrow's worries as well, that's too much for you. Anybody ever try to bring in too many bags from the grocery store bed into your house? You ever go and shopping, you got all these bags, and you're like, I can get them all. I can, if you can just get all the bags and keep slipping your hand through all the little holes, and you can try to carry If you've done that, you're like me, and if you also probably swept up some things off the garage floor, haven't you? You maybe have dropped a few eggs doing that, right? See, there's called a second trip. For some of us, it might be a third or fourth trip, right? Jesus is saying, take one trip at a time. One day at a time. Matter of fact, this is how you do it. Everybody know what this is? Take a look on the screen. What is that? It's a calendar. Yeah. Did you ever notice on the calendar that every square has its own number? Did you notice that? And did you notice that they're numerically in order? One, two, three. It never goes one, 24, 16, two, nine. It's one, two. Here's, here's my problem. My problem is I try to jam a bunch of numbers into one square. I've got, uh, today's October 18, right? So I got October 18, but I also got uh, December 13 mixed in there because my son's getting married and it's like I'm a little, you know, I'm a little worried about their future. And, and then I also got like January mixed in there because there's some stuff going on in January. And I'm like, there's only one block with one number. And if we do really good at living in that block, that day, that number, that's sort of what Jesus is saying. One at a time, one square at a time, one number at a time. Now, he isn't saying don't plan for the future. 
We can calmly plan and prepare. It's important to be prepared, right? But not to obsess with high anxiety over what's coming. Big difference. By the way, some of us may worry about our past. We look back and um, we're like, I made a mistake in life. Made a couple of mistakes. I'm making a lot of mistakes in life, right? And our past causes us to worry. It's going to catch up with me, right? As citizens of heaven, I want to encourage you to strive to not dwell on the past, but learn from the past. When I coach, when I worked with a lot of my athletes, I would say, hey, you know, you can't change that mistake. And I know some coaches just like to drive it into their player. Like, did you see what you just did? They saw what they did next. They feel pretty crummy about it, right? Here's the thing. You made a mistake. Can we change it? Nope, you're right. So let's not live there. Let's just make sure it doesn't happen again. Let's just move forward, right? Can you change your sins of the past? No, we cannot. You know what's so awesome about this is that when we ask God for forgiveness, you know what he does? He forgives us. He's wiped out our past. That's God's amazing grace. We do not deserve it. Grace is getting something we do not deserve in a forgiven past. We don't deserve that. But God says, I've given it to you. So why are you holding on to it? Why are you holding on to it? God has forgiven. Let it go. When we are focusing on today and tomorrow, or today and yesterday, we're bound to have a few extra troubles we do not need. I saw this poem. It says, my name is I am. It goes like this. If you live in the past, it'll be very hard for I am not there. My name is not I was. And if you live in the future, it'll be very hard for my name is not I will be. But if you live in the present, it's not hard. For my name is I am. You know, in just over a couple weeks here, we're going to see the outcome of an election. Right now, a lot of us are wondering what it's going to be like. A lot of us are already worried about today and how our world is. Some of us are a little more concerned about what it's going to be like in a couple weeks. Some of us are not resting very well. I want to remind you, as citizens of heaven, we are the salt and the light in this world. We are not only going to go out and vote, as I talked about last week, but we are also going to live in a way by how we do not obsess with worry. And we can be an example to this world on how to live, on how much we trust God. As citizens of heaven, we are temporary residents here. Our loyalty is to God. Our citizenship is in heaven, not earth. And Jesus told us what? Not so with you. Among you, it's going to be different. As a Christian, it's not about power, it's about serving. It's not about getting, it's about generosity. It's not about seeking revenge, it's about forgiveness. It's not about worry, it's about hope, it's about peace. And we have it. So as citizens of heaven, I want to encourage you, I want to implore you. As we leave this place, when I say go be the church, I mean go be the church. Live out the hope you have. Not the worry that invades you, but the hope you possess. Coach Ron Brown, uh, he coaches at the University of Nebraska for many years. He made this interesting observation. He says, everybody, all these football players, want to be a part of the team picture. And he says, it's quite interesting that after the team picture is taken, there's quite a few of these guys from the college football teams that leave the team. And they take that team picture and they take it with them to their future employees 
And they say, basically, I was a part of a successful team. And they actually never played. But I'm in the team picture. In hopes that they can use that picture for leverage to get a job. You know, the amazing thing is, is a lot of us Christians call ourselves Christians. We're on God's team. And we are satisfied with just getting a team picture. And that's it. Instead of actually staying on a team and acting like a team player and living out the mission and the goal of the team. I want to encourage you, as Christians, don't leave the team. You've been a part of this picture. I want to encourage you now, abide with the team. Abide in Christ. When you abide in Christ, when you walk with Christ, it's a daily journey. When you walk with Christ, he will give you the hope you need. He will ease your worry and replace that because he loves you. You are more valuable than what? A bird, a a plant, a flower, right? You're more valuable than all these things. So don't let worry dominate your mind like the unbeliever. Live like a believer. Walk and abide with him. Worship team, would you come up, please? Jenny and I were going for a walk um, and, and here's the deal. When we go for a walk, we go for a walk. Usually it's like anywhere 50 minutes to an hour long, and we go on that walk. And when we walk, yep, we got our phones with us, but we don't answer them unless it's an emergency. Because here's the thing is what I've learned, I've learned this a little late in life, so young people, listen carefully. Do not let things interrupt your marriage. Okay? So as we walk... We don't answer the phone, right? Unless it's an emergency. And we're walking the other day. And as we're walking, phone rings. Just sort of take a quick peek. Oh, this was an emergency. We're like, "Uh uh-oh. We sort of look at each other like, hell. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. And we we, we both turn and start walking. It's like, what? Okay. All right. And we put the phone back and we do another U-turn and start walking again. We got some bad news. So we sort of head back. And then we get the, but it's going to be okay. Okay. So we start going again. If you're inside a house in our neighborhood where we were walking, you're, you're probably wondering, what's going on with these two? They're like, and the people inside the house are like, they need to go to a track or something so they can just go circles instead of cutting back and forth, right? They're probably thinking, they are so weird. They are so odd. And I'm going to tell you something. When you live for Jesus, you will look odd. Because when we are living for Jesus, we're going in a direction. When something hits us, we were like, oh, no, something hit me. This is horrible. This is terrible. We're going to go back and try to do what we can. Wait, no, God's got this. We're okay. We can continue to walk forward in life because God's got this. That looks odd to some people. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you understand that God is with you wherever you're going. And he always wants to keep you moving forward. But worry tends to keep us going in circles. Keep moving forward in your journey. Trust God to help you in those moments. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. Thank you that we can place our faith in you. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Because, God, my sins are big and many. 
and I can't work my way into heaven. I can't correct my mistakes. But you forgive them when I ask for forgiveness. And that's an amazing act of grace on your part. So God, I know there might be somebody in this room right now that is like that. They've made some mistakes in their life and they feel pretty bad about it, but they've never asked for forgiveness. Today would be a great day to seek forgiveness because you are a holy God that loves us and wants to forgive us so that we can have a new relationship with you. Because you forgive us, you take away our sins, you give us a new life, and you call us your people, and we're citizens of heaven. And we belong in your kingdom, and yeah, we live here on earth, and but we're going to look different because you are now with us, walking with us, helping us move forward in life. We want to abide in you. We want to grow in you. But God, these, these worries and these fears and these situations keep coming at us and never easy to handle, but God, you told us, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because God, you've told us that you care more about the birds, and you care for the birds. You care for the flowers. And you care so much more for us. And you know that if a bird falls, you know it. So God, you absolutely know that when we fall and when we hurt, you know it. God, thank you for knowing it. Thank you for reminding us that you love us. Thank you that you give us hope. And we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We've got enough problems. God, we just want to trust you today. God, I don't know what's going to go on in this nation with the virus, with the voting, with, with racial tension, with whatever it may be. I don't know. But I trust you. So I don't have to worry about that right now. Today's got enough. How many trust you for today? How many walk with you today? God, we love you. We just want to see you. We thank God that you are here. We thank you that you are loving. Thank you, God. We love you. In thy name we pray. Amen.